So, hey everybody, this is a wrap-up of seven weeks of uh, Transfiguration AD. This uh, explanation, or, you know, what's called the uh, X series that I've been doing to, you know, kind of come outside of what we're doing in our events and kind of give a backstory for understanding. Uh, for a number of you, you kind of wrote me back and said these are really helpful. With that being said, in this episode, we're going to cover a lot of ground, and really, uh, I'm going to cover ground that's going to be, you know, the wrap-up of actually 25 weeks of Collider, uh, what the Lord has told me to call Pass and Review, and actually even where it gets down to sort of a crucible moment of uh, seven weeks of uh, Transfiguration AD. Um, you really need to go back... If you're hearing this for the first time, you need to go back and back to like Transfiguration 81 and then listen to a, the conversation on the stage with myself and Tom McManus to really set the, the groundwork for what's going to happen in, in the ensuing seven weeks. And then, you know, on to Transfiguration 82 with uh, uh, Brad Ames and that workout and then and then there's a there's an explanation section that comes out called r2 rna about the splicing of rna that dr gus vickery uh and i have a conversation on and then uh, you know as we progress forward uh through the events as you can listen to those it's also uh important to listen to the explanation sections I know I've already said that, but to really hear the one called The Expanse. And th as I get into uh, semiotics and then like Moby Condor, because uh, I mean, how we bring together the uh, celestial of Condor being a bird and the uh, terrestrial of Moby being the, uh, the fish in the sea is a takeoff of uh, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Because those concepts and the basis of those concepts are important before uh, 85 is going to happen. 85 is uh, where I'm going to pick up today because this actual explanation podcast called Total Recall is going to really capture 5, 6, and 7 and uh, the buildup of, of 7, which you can listen to uh, called the Magnum O, or it's a Magnum Opus is what that's in reference to. Um, Magnum opus basically means that something that's the greatest work of a writer, an artist, or uh, that's brought forward. And so, in that uh, preachment or that talk that I give, um, I'm going to try to bring the culmination of through '87 of all of the uh, all all the aspects of of all seven weeks, but even more so the last 25 weeks. Again, running this pass and review. And so I encourage you to go back. I, you know, I've had a number of people share with me that they have had to listen to some of these podcasts, you know, four to five times to really understand what's going on. Um, Janie McManus said, it's one thing to listen, it's another thing to hear. And so I, I would encourage you to actually hear what is being proclaimed uh, deeply and let it just like meld into your person and Get out a notebook if you need to and take notes. There's a covering a lot of ground 
in our events and in these explanation sections probably even more. And so just kind of an introduction before we launch out into uh, this episode called Total Recall of what really transpired. And a, a lot of this is very personal, but I think if you, you know, will pay attention and listen, you'll find so much of how your story is wrapped up in this and how important it is uh, for your progression and your relationship with Jesus. Well, so to start out, one of the things is, is when we were assigned to the YMI on September the 20th, one of the things that we went through is, you know, why are we at the YMI? And I'm sure there are many different reasons. I mean, you're going to hear me express some of this in actually the, uh, the preaching, but why am I is the actual question, why am I? And some years ago for me, I, I don't know, it was the end of 2018 or 2019, I always had a certain appreciation for um, special forces like Navy SEALs or Marine Force Recon or Air Force Special Tactics or um, the Army Delta Force or even Army Green Berets and uh, always like appreciated those guys a lot. And I was really struggling and there was possibly an opportunity and it's and I could go back into the Air Force as an officer and um, maybe maybe try to be fit to be put back into an Air Force Special Tactics unit. It probably was highly unlikely, but I was certainly making an attempt and writing some of the recruiters and things because uh, just sort of lamenting not being able to go to the battlefield like that. And um, the Lord uh, spoke to me and he's like, you know, uh, son, what kind of identity do you want? And is this the identity that you want? And I said, well, man, I appreciate those guys and a lot. And uh, they lay their lives down for their country. They're elite in their fields. And, you know, I, I was uh, going through, actually, you'd have to understand this, but by listening to my uh, auto bio series, but I was in phase nine, uh, pioneering in phase nine, which is, it has to do with special forces and, um, you know, have to do with a episode called Capstone that, you know, will be coming out soon. And so I was like, man, I'd really like those guys. And again, words like, well, what identity do you like? I was like, well, you know, again, I appreciate those guys. And he's like, well, I appreciate those guys too. They're pretty incredible. But, you know, do you remember what happened to me when, you know, I was being brought up for trial and, uh, you know, Judas betrayed me? And I said, yeah, I mean, I remember that. I remember reading about that. He's, you know, he comes and, uh, you know, you know, kissing him on the cheek was just sort of a weird thing to me. I don't know if it's weird to you, but I'd rather someone greet me with a holy chocolate kiss than a kiss on the cheek. To be honest, it seems like it feels weird and it's like some kind of betrayal or something. But I, I know it's not, but it, it's just kind of strange. So anyways, he betrays him. But then they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? I guess the, the Roman leader there says that. And he says, I am. And that he says, I am. And when he does, well, the super elite guys go all, you know, falling backwards. And the Lord's like, what, which, which, uh, identity do you want? And I was like, you want one like me? Or do you want one like those guys that fall back when I, I bring out who I am and I just say, I am. I was like, dude, I want your identity. And I, I remember I put my magazines up and my, I, um, canceled my calls with the recruiters and I was just like, I'm done with this. And it's, 
I guess it's about a year later or after that, I, I shared this before, but I, I finally get a commission. It takes eight months of a prophetic, a priestly, a judicial commission, and then a kingly crown before Collider launches because the Lord wants to transmit a PPJK in a four-dimensional quaternity is the, I think the technical term into his people. He He's wanting to bring his people up to a, a status of the royal family, not uh, some of the infantile stuff that we've been dealing with. And uh, of course he doesn't, he wants that, you know, to be transmitted through, uh, through his leadership here, especially in the end of the age. And so uh, with that being said, the eight month process of prophet, priest, judge, and king, that's a that's a really like cool thing, and I, I I think I've talked a little bit about that in the past, but you know there's a there's a sword for the prophet, there's a staff for the priest, there's a scepter for the judge, and a crown for the king, and the Lord wants to restore this back to His people. It's it's very significant. I mean, honestly, and um, and He's like it takes us into you know the collider time, and then why am I why because. We find out that he wants to install I am in us, and, and there's, you know, multiple I am statements in John eight through John ten, and there's an installation of I am that he wants to put in, back into his people that our identity would be built off of that. And so uh, when I deal with like the expanse and Moby Condor and the triple entendre of what, who, why, to cross that barrier through the expanse into I am, there's this reinstatement of who he is in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Well, Transfiguration 85, let's just pick up from there. Listen to it if you get a chance. It's being listened to by a lot of people. Uh, I got pretty like lit on that platform uh, and out of worship. Worship that day was pretty difficult actually. But this message, I was really believing it, and the Lord's like, you know, I want you to get into Hebrews 10, and I do, because uh, earlier that week, we were at Brian and Brenda Weatherman's house with the prayer team. It's Thursday. We uh, we have like a debrief, and then we begin to worship, and the Lord says to me, like, so what? I'm like, what does he mean? He's like, you know, look at Hebrews 10, so what? And I, I was like, what is that about? He's like, well so to sacrifice, so what to offering. He's like, this has been a double taxation or a double thing on my people. And and again, like listen to the events five and six and seven, because I'm going to really lay it out out of Hebrews 10. But the Lord's like, I didn't desire sacrifice and offering, and I don't delight in sin offering and burn offering. And so the way I look at that is, is my desire is not built out of uh, volunteerism and clicking the bucket, you know, on offerings. Now, are, are we supposed to do tithe and offering? I think so, but that's not where identity comes from. And, and I believe that that's something you're supposed to see your father doing, but that's not where you get your identity from and volunteerism. And so a lot of people are like, let's volunteer social justice, build causes. And, and I look at that in a blue fashion and in red fashion, put up or shut up, put your offerings out, you know, um, invest into the future, make these investments in your portfolio and you'll build something nice out of that. And so you get into 
a lot of people are building their identity out of causes and investments and the words like so what and yet you'll hear me explain the plus negative and and uh, the negative negative and then the plus plus and so listen to some of that so you can understand and then he's like he doesn't just hammer down on the left and the right the blue and the red now he gets after double after the older brother sin offering and burnt offering he says i don't even delight in that and then he says something like this you know this is what i delight in he says i here's a body that i prepared for you so god through the writer of hebrews 10 is juxtaposing moses as servant in the house who's faithful that speaks of the revelation to come with son over the house which is he which he says we're of that house if we hold our confidence firm. And so the question is, what house do you want to be a part of? Well, man, I get up uh, five, get lit. It's like I can feel I am in me. And I, I don't know if you, I'm sure you have, like you're worshiping the Lord. A lot of times I'll experience like coming up to a wall, 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 and then we like enter in. And it's like we get in the most holy place and then uh, or the the holy place and then we go into the most holy place you go from holy to holy holy and man when we cross that when we cross through that golden incense altar into where the ark is man i don't know how you, what you feel but i'm experiencing like fire burning on the chest and i mean lit with courage and it's like my whole entire perception uh personality, position, perspective, everything, everything just shifts all of a sudden into a persona that I would say is more like son of God, a son of God than a perspective about a son of God. And so that happens in uh, 85 and, um, and uh, it, it's like really being known by the Lord in the moment. And so what was interesting at 85 that you may not know was we've been going through the Hebrew letters and it's kind of a complicated thing, but there is a process in the gospel called death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And after I'd come through experience with the Lord of resurrection and uh, September around 2019, he, the Lord says, now it's time to go through an ascension process. And he starts to teach me that what he wants to install after resurrection of a sonship is go into a process called airship for the installation of the 22 letters of the Hebrew. And, and what I'll later on find out is there's a way to map this through Psalms 119. And so we're going through these letters. And at this point, um, I'm finishing up the uh, mem, which is actually the 13th letter in the Hebrew. And I'm finishing up that letter. And mem means uh, king over the water, or it's the idea of memory or the idea of me, uh, metamorphosis. And so I f was finishing up Mem on uh, Friday before 85. And I told Kara, I said, you know, because I take these walks and the words like, he tied it in with uh, exercises, physical exercises for uh, spiritual transformation. And so I have like a thousand of these exercises and I'm finishing up, I think 598th exercise, which puts me in a place inside of Psalms 119. If you ever want the math on this or to see how I do that, I'll show it to you. But right now I'm not gonna get into all that. And I'm 
Friday, I'm finishing up the mem. Well, we're on our way to go to uh, Elizabeth's. Uh, my oldest daughter has got a program called uh, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe with Veritas Christian Academy, and she's going to be in that a play um, over off Upward Road. And uh, she's playing a role called The White Stag that's in The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. I don't know anything about it, and um, our family's sort of like humorously thinking about her being this role. And and uh, so I finish up the Mem Friday, and then we're going straight from there over to uh, get some dinner, and then we're going to watch her. And um, what was interesting was after I come out of the so what of Thursday's prayer meeting, uh, the day before, I was coming out of the, uh, the our meeting together, and I opened up my phone and, and a Facebook book app. I think I clicked on it or something, and it opens up, and it says, um, Albino Deer. A one in 30,000 found in Durham, North Carolina. And it just kind of caught my attention. I was like, huh, it seems like to me that something that Elizabeth's doing tomorrow, uh, it must be, there must be something to this because uh, when the Lord's trying to get my attention, he'll normally give like double proof encounters, like objective proof of an unseen reality. I'm like, I wonder what's going on with the white stag or the albino deer uh, thing. So fast forward back to Friday. Uh, finish up mem. Now you have to understand finishing up mem, uh, being the 13th letter, I had been shown this by the Lord that in the middle of the 22 letters, going from 13, 12, 11, and, uh, and 10, if you look at it backwards, it spells uh, mem, lamed, kaf, yod. And when you know, if you know what that says, it says king. So right in the middle of the 22 letters is, uh, the word king. And so, um, so I'm finishing up this this idea of uh, royalty and and uh, kingship and the installation of that letter in the uh, human soul. And so some of the episodes, the explanation exp- episodes, can will end up. At this point, I haven't recorded all the explanations on Lamed and Kaf and and Yod. Some of them you hear about them in the events stories, but through the uh, through the Eastover series, the Starlink series, the Event Horizon leading up to uh, Transfiguration AD series. Again, this is the 25 weeks in review, uh, and uh, particularly like the Crucible, these seven weeks. So we go see the event. She runs across the stage. She's sort of kind of odd because you, she is all this paint work and everything. She's just kind of cool looking. She's all in white. She's the white stag, and then. She just comes across stage, runs off stage, and then comes across stage at the end, runs off stage, and that's basically her part. Again, here we are, we go to 85, fast forward to Sunday. Uh, you can hear that event, and I kid you not, what happens after this event, just like, man, it, it just, it's sort of, Kara called it hell week, and uh, I don't know what else way to call it, but it was like, we must have turned up every rock and every demon that could be turned up got turned up after that event. I mean, instantly, I leave that event and uh, uh, the kids are, problems are going with the kids. Kara had, had to leave the event because of problems with the children. Things were just really, really um, out of hand. And it just was really tense. And the tension and the pressure doesn't stop. And so, um, 
it's I think it's Monday or Tuesday and we get some family pictures back and um, now I, I see uh, our family picture and I'm I see myself and I see my own image and I'm like that can't be me this something's not right with me but I mean it very much is me but um, really disappointed because uh, you know my hair's like falling out and it just looks the picture looks bad for me and I just really like it it really messes with me in a bad way and I I don't even like to say this publicly but I just am you know I just want to say it because you know I just it just bothered me well it bothers me so bad it's just like something's like cracked and I'm really like struggling and um, I'm just thinking man my whole family's just amazing looking and just look at me I just look terrible uh, and I just going through this image issue but now I'll say this in 87 I've been dealing with basically my whole life self-reflection and problems with uh, on personal appearance it's just bothered me my whole life and and I can't really like understand and I don't think I'm gonna ever be free of this and of this self-reflection and so the whole week is just it's just problems everywhere because I, I'm realizing that you know thinking about personal image or and then for this week our like our money really dries up it's like it comes down to, I think a hundred dollars for the whole week it's really stressful you know we're coming into thanksgiving i've, I've went on the line for this this uh we're believing the word of the lord we're a part of a royal family i've just broke on that 85 with so what i i don't have any kind of like uh other way to uh, make provision for my family or anything like that because i've went on the line believing that this is what he always wanted was to um bring us to this point of knowing who we are who he is in us and it's really starting to scare me and i'm trying to convince kara that we've already went to event horizon which means the point of no return there's no going back on this and i can't like back out and go back to a blue or a red based system to support our families like i could go red based white collar uh you know blue base i could go blue collar I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to take care of our family. We're living in the McManus's home. You know, some things come up, and it's just like pressure like I can, like I think I've never felt before, uh, all culminating after 80, 85. It comes into um, Thanksgiving. It's a really hard day for us. We just have a really, really tough day. Kara and I both are praying, but it's just like the enemy's just assaulting uh, so we finally get some relief. We go share Thanksgiving with our family. And so by Friday morning, I'm wrung out, man. I'm just, I am just like, you know, I'm just like, Lord, I can't take anymore. I wake up four o'clock in the morning, I'm shaking all over, literally like shaking in my bed thinking, you know what? I wonder if I've had like some kind of break with reality. I'm believing something about who you are in me, but man, it is not lining up in the natural. And I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking this about my life anyways, but I'm certainly thinking this. And the guilt's unloading onto me, the shame, like the beat down from the enemy is just unloading. I'm, I'm literally like shaking in my bed thinking, this can't be real. If this is real, then I have to live out who I, who he really is in me and I've broke with every support system 
and there's no support except you. And while I'm, I'm there, I'm sort of like almost just, I don't know if you've ever been under the cloud and you know what I'm talking about. And I think this is going to be meaningful for a lot of you. I hope it is. I'm in it, man. I'm in the cloud. And I don't know. And then I'm sort of like prompted to go to Paramount Plus. There's like a, I had like a free like thing where I could watch some films and stuff. And I'm prompted to go watch this film called Infinite. I just want to say this. I'm not like proclaiming that you should watch. Someone mentioned a couple films. You should watch these films. There's some places in them that I don't agree with. And I don't want your eyes to see something you shouldn't see. I, I block that stuff from my eyes. I, I don't want to look at things that are wrong. Number two, uh, some of the concepts that are being pur purported in the film, I would highly disagree with. And Infinite's one of those. But one of the main points in Infinite is Mark Wahlberg. Uh, he starts out in the film, he finds out that basically, he finds out that he's somebody he didn't know he was. He's he's a part of this class of, of uh, what they call infinites. There's like 500 of them on the earth and they've been sent to sort of transform the earth and keep people from, you know, he's like the hero in the story. And he's struggling with his work and he's trying to get a manager's position for a restaurant and he, he just can't seem to get his finances uh, together on that because he keeps having these memories that are related to another person and another person that he'll end up finding out that he is, but he doesn't know it. Again, you'd have to see the film. I'm not, I can't go through all, all that explanation, but it starts to like, you know, help me like calm down because I realize maybe the Lord's trying to speak to me because maybe really what's going on is what I'm starting to encounter is another person that the person that I really am trying to live out of this person that I am Carol there's another person that I am is trying to like come together or adhere to each other uh, through a process of uh, transformation or transfiguration and so um, I watch that and it really brings me it settles me a little bit uh, but not a not fully and so that's friday and then saturday comes around and um uh, i'm drawing out all these diagrams for kara and she's like carol I, I really don't think i can help you with this and um, it's really bothering me and, and the kids are like dad let's just do devotions and kara's like let's do devotions so we go in there and uh, sit down in our house and we begin to worship the lord and uh, as we're worshiping the lord it, it starts to occur to me that we're going to enter in as a family. And this is really not the easiest thing to do with, you know, little kids and or six children and to enter in and everybody steal themselves for, you know, an hour or whatever. But our family's basically pretty desperate that we find a breakthrough. We can all feel it because we've been going through it for, for a whole week. And um, finally, we begin to break through and then the kids start getting, my youngest kids, they start, our kids they start getting like uh nipping at each other and uh, the older kids and, and i knew that we were about to cross over that expanse and into that vet through that veil and i told them i said listen you guys are going to have to just be still and i want you to be quiet this is a time where we're going to cross over and your daddy needs to hear from the lord for our family and and they listened and they they knew that we really got to pay attention right now so we did. We crossed over, and the Lord's like, you know, go to Habakkuk chapter 2. 
I think it was verse 13. And it's this indictment against the nation. And the Lord's like, uh, starts to speak to man. And he says, uh, you know, with rank comes responsibility. And I was like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? He says, well, did you finish the mem and that finished the king? I said, yeah. He said, well, what you've been experiencing all week is, which is, I'm going to find out later what this means, but you're moving out of, of basically like a child into, into kingship as a son. And you must bear the national responsibility to, to bear the government. And I, you know, I'm like, what? I know that you've been saying this, Lord, but he's like, the reason why you're so shook down is because all, all those enemies are not under your feet and you're bearing a responsibility because with rank comes responsibility and with rank comes privilege. Well, your, uh, your rank has been basically increased. And, um, and because of that, now you're responsible for bearing that, that place. And so these have all been enemies to you and they must come under your feet. And so he says to me, he says, remember the white stag and, and the albino deer. And I was like, he said, because you need to look at that. And so we're, you know, I'm in worship. I was like, well, let's look at this. So I, I look up white stag and I start to tell Kara and the kids and I'm starting to feel freedom come back. So I'm starting to realize what's going on. And I started to uh, look up white stag, and there's a lot of material on this, but in short, he's the symbol of, it's the symbol of when a warrior becomes a king. So it like really throws me back to Mim, Lamech, Kof, Yod, finishing the Mim, Elizabeth's program, the so what, the transition into the plus plus. I'm really like, huh. And uh, you'll find the white stag in Arthurian legend, and of course you find it, you know, you find him right there in uh, when the children in Narnia are crossing through to the other side, uh, through through the the wardrobe, and then as they're at the end of that, after I think it's Caraparavel, and they become kings and queens, they're, they're hunting the white stag, and so he seems to be like an elusive creature, sort of like the unicorn has been to sort of symbolize something, and and then I, I find out from reading a lot of a lot of work on the white stag that it, it's the this the symbol when a warrior becomes a king. And the words like like helping me to understand this, it brings total relief and peace to our whole family. Uh, the Lord tells me, you know, take them to Greenville. All of a sudden, someone sends me forty dollars. I'm just grateful for that. We go down to Greenville, we take them to get something to eat, and we just spend the evening there. And uh, we have another encounter coming back home, which I'm not going to talk about in this uh, episode, but it has to do with rank is not just comes with responsibility, but also comes with privilege. And the Lord showing me that privilege will come and blessing will come because what the Lord is doing is with us as his people is he's really wanting us to uh, believe, you know, who he is or who I am is in us. And, um, and so... Saturday night, we go to bed, and uh, somewhere somewhere in the, probably, I think it was after midnight, um, I'm, I'm in a dream state, and and the, the thing that I'm gonna tell you next is probably one of the most interesting and most profound things that's ever happened to me. Now, I, I tell this story in 87, so you can listen to it, but one thing that I'm unaware of, and I'm gonna find out later is, we're beginning, 
uh, we're entering into Hanukkah, which is the festival of the feast of dedication of the temple and the festival of lights. And um, I again, I don't know this until like a week and a half later that this morning that Hanukkah is going to end uh, begin that evening Sunday. The, it was the 28th of November. Um, and this is again, this is 486. I'm in this dream, and in the dream. And I don't have a lot of spiritual dreams. Some people dream a lot, but I don't. And so when I do have a spiritual dream, it's pretty significant. And, you know, I'll tell that some of the, one of the significant dreams is in the podcast called Takuna Alam. You can listen to that. That's what really initiated all this. Anyways, I'm in the, in the dream and I'm beside this uh, uh, Marine and uh, we're on a battlefield and the Marine tells me that he's the younger brother to an older brother and his older brothers, I get the idea that he's mourning his older brother now. And I get the idea too, in my mind, in the dream that he's, he's battlefield wounded because, uh, we're going to go up to the back of like, they're there. I think they're called six packs in the military, but it's like a big military truck. And then on this one, it's a flatbed on the back of the on the back of it and it's got a casket laying on the back of it that we can see and the casket is probably seven foot by three foot it's aluminum and it's like split down the middle and uh this other marine he's he's younger than me and this is his older brother and he said he's a uh, morning and i and i was like so someone comes over and they take the top of the casket the battlefield casket is not like a proper casket. It's just out of aluminum or something like that. It's, you know, I don't know if it's stainless steel or aluminum, but it's just squared off sides like a big rectangle. And they take the top off and I'm looking at this guy that's laying there and he's like laid in state and he's, um, he's dressed in Marine uniform, but his uniform is like impeccably clean. I'm like looking for blood and uh, wounds and, you know, problems with, with him and there's nothing there and, uh, on him. And, uh, you know, you can tell he's in my mind when I, I'm not only am going to see him, but I feel his persona somehow. And I don't know how you could ever feel the persona of a dead person, but I, I would say he's not dead. He's just not alive because I seen in his complexion, I'm starting to look at his face and his He's a muscular build, really wide shoulders. You can tell even under uniform, he's completely fit. Now I look at his face and I honestly, I've never seen a face that perfect in my idea of what a face should look like. Now we all have different ideas about this because some people, they say beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And so some people would be like, you know, that's a handsome person or a beautiful person. And another person's like, I don't know what you see in them. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I'm sure you have. But I, when I'm looking at this guy, I think that's the quintessence of manliness and a quintessence or perfection of masculinity that I've always thought my mind is what is right. And I can't explain to you probably a little bit what he looks like. I had to draw, but I, I couldn't give like a drawing of this person. I'm looking at him and I realize his complexion is has no discoloration, the blood's in his skin, and his eyes are closed, and I know behind those eyes are like these blue sapphire type eyes that have light that kind of comes out of them, but I you know, I can't see them. And I realize this guy's not necessarily dead, he's just not woke up. He's he's not alive. 
And again, the younger brothers beside me, Marine, he's sort of mourning him as we uh, look at him. And then all of a sudden, the dream's over. And I said, Lord, what, you know, what, what is going on here? And he says, do you know who that guy is? And I said, no. He said, that's you. And I'm like, what, I mean, what do you mean, Lord? And he's like, well, that's you as glorified son. That's what, that's actually what you look like. And, um, and that's one of the most, I mean, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That, you know, all, all my life I've been thinking something different. And I, uh, you know, I, I'm not like terribly bad looking or anything like that. I've just been thinking, I don't look like me. I, you know, my whole life I was like, I don't seem like me. I don't, I don't understand this. It don't seem to square off with me. And, and, um, the Lord's like, I'm, I'm really, what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm wanting to bring back your memory of actually who you are. Now, at this point, you probably should hear my podcast called Genesis Zero because I deal with Job 38. I think it's, you know, six and seven. It, and it speaks of when the sons of God were together and the morning stars sang together, the sons of God shouted for joy. And that this concept that we were with the Father before we entered into this time space of XYZT in the dimension that we're in and that we were with the father and we're going back to the father like Jesus, John 13. You could read that at the entry of that before he washes his disciples feet that, that he knew that he came from God and he was going back to God. And, and in this moment, it, I, I get to see what really what he's been saying all along pioneer for a glorified body. I actually get to see my own personal glorified body. I get to actually see what godliness with contentment is because I get to see a son of God. I get to see and behold what Romans 8 is speaking of and the sons of God. The creation is longing and intravail, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I get to actually behold a son of God, which in this case happens to be me, not the son of God, which is actually Jesus. And we would never want to confuse those. Some people get that confused, and we're not going to confuse that. Uh, so I go in. Uh, you can listen to 86. I preach that. I bring together in 86, I believe, uh, Numbers 10 with Hebrews 10 and put those together. So kind of bringing this, uh, these events, starting to bring them together. And so I, I do that. The next day, I, uh, I'm sort of like, this memory is hitting me and I'm like, man, you know, is this thing really real? Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. And so I, um, go to have my morning devotions with the Lord and I pick up a Haley Gorenson Jacobs book that's forwarded by N.T. Wright, conformed to the image of his son. And I began to, to look down on her work on glory and glorification. And she starts to speak of, um, uh, this thing of conformity to Christ's suffering and death. This is on page uh, six and, and seven. And Ernst uh, Heisman's suggest passages, and she lays out these passages: First Corinthians fifteen forty nine, Second Corinthians three eighteen, Colossians one eighteen, and Philippians three ten f. Um, 
about a resurrected body. And so I, I feel prompted to actually look at, look these verses up. And so I, I go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 49. And again, um, this is mentioned in uh, the, the uh, Transfiguration 87. But I just want to bring this up right quick in this podcast explanation. And so I look down at it and it, it says, um, and just as we born the image of the man of dust, let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. And the Lord's like, stop right there and like pay attention to the words. And I, I see the born the man of dust. I'm realizing, takes me back to John 3, Jesus' word in Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus is sort of confused. How can he be born twice? How can a grown man go back through his mother? He said, no, you don't understand this. You need to understand you must be born again. And and it says here that just as we've born the image, and you know, I'm reflecting back right now on my own personal image, what I've grew up with, that's the man of dust. But he says, but let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. And it takes me to like Isaiah 9, unto us a child is born, but unto us a son is given. That Children are born, but sons are given. And it takes me back to the previous Saturday prayer time with the kids, bear the responsibility of government. It says that Jesus has this government laid on his shoulders and that we as his sons and daughters are beginning to bear this government. So there's, you bear the image of the man of heaven. You're born with the image of the man of dust, but you bear the image of the man of heaven. And the Lord said, you see the man now in the dream yesterday, your memory is awakening to the image I want you to bear. Because that man, he is, he's a Marine, and he's also very regal. Um, his persona is non-explanatory in the sense he's not trying to give an explanation like I'm giving to you now. He just is. He's, he's not like a servant. He's definitely a son of the Lord. He's a son of God. He's not the son of God, but he's a son of God, and he has this regality about him. But he's also a Marine. He's a warrior. Well, it all of a sudden like flashes to me. I think that, oh, he's a Marine king. And it hits me that Mim means king over the water or king that's a Marine or over the water, over the expanse. And the Lord's like, I want you to begin to bear the persona of the person of the image of the man of heaven because this is going to begin to fulfill the manifestation of the son of God a son of God, you being one of the, one of my sons, you know, um, there's many sons, many daughters of the Lord. I'm, I'm sure. But now he says, Hey, brothers and sisters, verse 50, flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. So why would we be trying to let our mortality inherit this kingdom? No, the, no, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in the moment twink, in the blink of an eye. Not everybody, this text is saying not everyone is going to fall asleep that we spoke of in Thessalonians, meaning, you know, your mortal body died. There's a generation that's not going to see death. It's going to be uh, transfigured uh, like Enoch was. And I believe that's part and parcel of this ministry, Pioneer for a Glorified Body, Acts 3.21, Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. Back to Matthew 17, Jesus is coming off the mountain. He's transfigured. He says, hey, guys, don't tell anybody about this until I'm resurrected because there's no grid for me for transfiguration at all. So 
back to this text, uh, he says, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. This imperishable body, 53, verse 53, must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. And now when this perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, and the saying that is written will happen, death's been swallowed up in victory. Where's the, where all death is your victory? Where all death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Oh man, I'm like wrecked over this text. I mean, even now, because it's just so profound. The Lord is calling for his people to begin seeing across the veil into the imperishable and begin putting on the imperishable now. And this is sort of an odd meal perspective. Now, listen to 87 as I lay out eschatology and four aspects of dimensions, four dimensions. So I'm going to lay out allegorical, prophetic, odd meal, priestly, you know, judicial, judicial, I'm going to lay out post-mill, and I'm going to lay out pre-mill, kingly. And I'm going to say that, that pers- that's all perspective. That's a revelation of the son, but is not the son over the house uh, as himself. And, and really, what I'm saying right now has so much depth to it. Let your ears hear what the Spirit of God is saying uh, to the church. So I'm like really impacted by this. I'm also impacted out of 1 Corinthians 15, but also 2 Corinthians 3, 18, back to reading the book. And it, and it says that whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their mind. And I mean, guys, we know this veil has been over our mind, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Well, the veil that's removed is the, to see a cross, not by reflection, like Jeff Manning told me, he said, I think you found a cure for narcissistic personality disorder because instead of seeing by reflection you see through refraction he didn't use the language refraction but it's like refracting through the veil like you can see through the veil onto the other side of this immortal dimension and you begin to behold the immortal god or son or daughter of god but even more so the one who's behind all this the one who's paid the price for all this begin to behold the lord Well, you know you can't behold the face of God and live. And so there's a death. If you lose your life, you'll find it. You know, for my sake in the gospel, Jesus says. And so this is the beginning of finding real life, the life that's an eternal life. Well, he says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. And we with all unveiled faces reflect the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the more that you move into this, seeing across the veil, the more transformation happens in your life that begins to reflect Him, not reflect you. You're refracting by seeing through, and then your reflection begins to change because you're reflecting His glory out of you. And so it's a different like shift from reflecting your own image to seeing through refraction and then back from refraction, back to reflecting him out of you. So he's coming out of you by light um, because we really are beings of light. And this has to do with RNA and the expression being recoded in us by light because this expression is going to be changed in this generation like uh, Mike Bickle has pointed out before. Uh, you can listen to some of his stuff from the early 80s when he was in Egypt. Uh, nevertheless, all this is kind of popping off for me is Monday morning. And I'm like, um, man, 
this is really, really like real. And the words like, right, I want you to have a memory, a memory. And this is metamorphosis. I want you to morph into who you see you are and take on your persona into this now dimensional time. Well, I think it's Friday morning now. Again, we're coming up to 87. I get a call Thursday. Will you come give blood, Mr. Moffat, at Blood Connection in Arden? And uh, will you donate plasma and platelets? And I'm like, man, I don't want to do that again because the last time I did it, it backed up in my arm and the blood got in my arm and stuff and it hurt so bad about passed out. But I was like, man, I got to overcome this. I can't let an experience in my life like take me down. I'm going back to give plasma and platelets again. I'm going to give my blood. I'm going to help people. And so I'm sitting there. They're hooking me up this blood and they'll let you like watch a movie or whatever because it takes like an hour and I'm scrolling through um, Netflix and I don't like a lot of their stuff and so I'm like man I probably don't like any of this and I come up to this film and I'm like I feel drawn to it and it's called Total Recall again disclaimer I'm not saying you should watch this film and I had to I fast forwarded through some sections because it's just not good stuff so I'm just say don't let your eyes get fooled by images and things there's some things you should not see are not good for your eyes but i feel drawn to this and in short it's another situation this is total recall 2012 with colin farrell and jessica beal and he's uh basically fine he doesn't like what he's doing his life's every day and basically there's this company called recall and he can go and have an experience and experience the life he wish he could live and so in in the thing they're like they hook him up and they have this like light around the back of him. It looks like a collider and they hook him up and they put this, uh, in, they're injecting into his arm while I'm being injected in my arm. I'm watching this. I'm starting to sort of like freak out a little bit. Cause I'm like, this is happening again. The word saying, you know, total recall, recall who you are. And so they say something to him. They say, we can inject you with a serum basically that allow you to live this alternative experience and and what experience would you like and he says i'd like to be a super spy and then the guy tells him he's like well if you are actually a super spy and he sort of was like whatever i'm not a super spy then it will mess everything up well so they start to inject this into him and the whole system starts going crazy and everything and the guy's like you lied to us you are a super spy well Colin Farrell doesn't realize that his memory had been erased and that he actually is this super spy. Again, like a hero story that's meant to save the world and things like that. Very interesting film. I don't think, I still haven't seen it all the way through, but then I find out where he lives. And so he lives at this house called Hyperion. It's like his address. And I feel like the Lord's like, you need to look at that. So I'm like sort of freaking out with all this and i'm like man you are really saying this word you're saying recall who you were from a from another dimension through the fifth dimension of light you're seeing into another dimension across the expanse through the veil you're seeing who you are glorified man what what you look like and that your soul is being outfitted to go fit into that man that's what this whole process we're all going through is and you're wanting to go ahead and believe that like in an odd meal way for a post-mill perspective for a pre-mill thing that's a thousand literal thousand year rain that's coming up 
all this is going through my head, you know, and he lives at Hyperion. So I go like look up uh, Hyperion and I'm like really, really like th this was kind of crazy. So I look it up and I'm back on the road driving and I, I see this when I'm driving. It says a, a son of Uranus and Gaia later identified with Apollo from Greek, literally the one who looks from above or hyper over or beyond. Right, right when I look down to look at this, a a blue like um, Nissan Titan drives right past me and pulls right in front of me. And because Hyperion is a son of Titan, I'm like, oh, this guy, this name means one who looks over or from beyond. Another translation says the model of uh, manly beauty synonymous with Apollo or the personification of the sun. And there's this th phrase from Shakespeare that says, so excellent a king that was to this Hyperion to a satire. And there's a juxtaposition of Hyperion being an excellent king versus a satire, which I think is like, I don't know what that is, like an evil being or something like that. Man, I got I to gotta tell you, like, I'm just like, the Lord is really saying this to me, but I know he's saying it to a whole lot of us. I want you to begin, lose your life for my sake in the gospel. Uh, I've got a podcast called Formula 21, and I lay that thing out so you can understand what that means to lose your life for his sake in the gospel, because uh, that's really important you understand uh, the Formula One drive and what has to motivate us and drive us. Anyways, so I'm like, man, the one who sees from above or outside and across the veil, he wants us to see from that perspective. Um, it's Friday. We ha we actually switched over Friday prayer meeting. We have a prayer meeting. That's really awesome. We go into Saturday. Um, and uh, we had to make some trip to Charlotte. We come back in uh, from Charlotte Sunday morning. Go, and I'll do 87. The Lord tells me Friday you're going to, or Thursday, he tells me you're going to preach uh, your magnum opus. So it, it, it is going to be called magnum O when you see that come out. And you're going to preach that, the 87. That's a very complex sermon. That's IE why we're doing this explanation. Finish that up. Lydia, my second daughter, is over with um, a friend of hers and um, the Polis family. And the Polis is, uh, Tim Polis is a pastor here in Arden, which I'd never met before. He has a ministry called The Heights. His dad, John Polis, had planted a work here that actually Stephen Jr. and Steve Sr. were a part of for some time 20 years ago. Well, I've never met Tim. I'm going to pick up a, a Lydia over at uh, Tim Polis's house. I get out and I meet his brother, Sam Polis. And they said, he, Tim's a really nice guy and his brother's really cool and stuff. And I get out and I'm talking with him. And um, he said, man, how did the day go? And I said, it went good. Finished up Transfiguration 87. And anyways, long story short, Polis is like, can we get together for coffee? I said, yeah. And so um, we ended up working it out Monday, the very next day. So him and I are sitting down for coffee and we're like getting to know each other and all that and all the pleasantries and the background and the history and all that. And he's a, he's a, a son of a pastor. I'm son of a pastor. He's a church planner. I'm a church, you know, planner, so to speak. Uh, a lot of, a lot of things like relate uh, between us. A very unusual kind of, he's a very unusual uh, man to me. I, you don't see a lot of people like that. 
um, you don't ever meet hardly anybody like that. I don't. And um, that has a lot, we share a lot in similarities. And um, I was telling him a little bit about background, Air Force, you know, enlisted an officer. And I say that to him and he says, uh, oh, we call that a Mustang. And I said, oh, um, huh, that's a Mustang. I didn't put this together till now, but it's, you know, like a, you know, white horse. But that's so weird. Anyways, he said, we call that a Mustang when you go from enlisted to an officer. And he said, that makes some of the best leaders. And I, I learned that too. Those guys are, I'm not saying that's across the board, but those guys are pretty good because they, they understand, you know, both sides of life pretty good. Um, the blue collar, white collar worlds, they kind of get that a little, a little bit because they've had to be in those shoes. I said, oh, you're a military. And he said, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps. And then I, I find out a little bit later that Polis was, Tim was born in 77. And, um, you know, I was born January 21st, 76. And so he's a little bit younger than me. And uh, he's he's a great guy. I enjoy my experience uh, with him. But I'm a little bit like we're finishing up the meeting and the meeting sort of like it ends. And I'm sort of like spinning, trying to figure out what's going on after this meeting. And it doesn't hit me till... Uh, that afternoon when I, I opened up a, another Facebook post from Sapphire Throne Ministries uh, in it Robin Main is pointing out about Hanukkah and how it's the festival feast of dedication and it's the festival of lights and of course and it started on the 28th of November and this is actually December the 6th when I have this encounter with uh, Tim Polis and, uh, you know, we'd finish up Transfiguration 86 and 87. And she's she does this whole post on basically the 13 I am statements. And she puts in the passage out of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 53 about putting on immortality. And she ties up Hanukkah with the Festival of Lights about, you know, seeing into the uh, realm of immortality and bearing the government of God through 13 I am statements that she presents through uh, John 8 uh, through John 10. And I'm, I'm sitting there and the Lord's like, um, do you know who you just met? And I said, uh, no. He said, you met the younger Marine that is in that dream that you had on the 28th of November. And so from the beginning of Hanukkah, I see apparently Tim Polis is the younger Marine brother that is looking at this glorified man with me and, and, and viewing him. And he's in mourning uh, that he's waiting on this man to wake up. Or I guess I thought he thought he was dead, but in fact, he's waiting for him to wake up and that that older brother is actually me in a glorified state man, I'm just like, this is happening again. The Lord is taken now and moved from, you know, the mem, the, he's wrapped up the infinite movie. He's wrapped up AD six. He's, he's, um, moved on the, on the way to total recall. Uh, he's, he is, the Lord is making through double proof encounters points. And here I am with, uh, Tim Polis and, and I mentioned this, I mentioned it to him because Polis immediately reminds me of City, but even more importantly, Meredith Klein's book on um, 
uh, Kingdom Prologue when he lays out what Metapolis is, which he says is the consummation of glorified, the glorified temple of man. And I'm sitting there with Polis, and I'm thinking of Metapolis, I'm thinking of the glorification of man. Come to find out, he's the younger Marine in the dream, which was, which would have been seven days, almost, I think, eight days. It would have been the eighth day, which was the whole entire season of Hanukkah. And so Hanukkah closes out on the 6th, and with this whole concept base is formed and seeded into my understanding. I just had to get this thing out because it's just like sitting inside of me, and I'm like, if I don't get this storyline out, you know, I'm going to do disservice to a lot of people. And so I pray that you can really, like, you know, take this from the Lord. I, I pray it would be a blessing to you. I know that is very personal what I'm saying. I, uh, one other sort of kind of thing, sort of humorous. I, the Lord's like, I was coming home that Friday before and, uh, the Lord's like, tells me, he's like, I want you to, um, I want you to take on the persona that you felt out of that man and go home and just you know, be with Karen. So I was going home. It was Friday before the prayer meeting. I walk in and, and I'm, I'm like living in the persona of this glorified man. I felt his whole persona. And I walk in and Karen says, uh, are you okay, Carol? And I said, yes, I'm doing great. And, um, she's like, do, do you need to explain anything? Is, is something going on? I said, no. And, uh, I said, I'm fine. And she said, you want me to make you something to eat? And, uh, I said, I'm hungry. She said, yeah, I'll, I'll make you some. She's, she's the best cook, man. She's amazing. My, my wife excels them all. You know, Proverbs 31. She's, she, I love her so much. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me besides Jesus. And, and um, I just love her to pieces. The glory of who she is is amazing. And so later on I tell her after you know prayer me she's like what's going on with you I said well I told her I was taking on his persona and she said to me something to this effect she said I think that's the guy that I just love so much and I said yeah she said that's the guy I like she's like uh, I said yeah that guy he just he don't need to explain himself he's he's not trying to prove anything he's been proven <laughs>